Welcome to Crypto Sapiens, a show that hosts lively discussions with innovative Web3 builders to help you learn about decentralized money systems, including Ethereum, Bitcoin, and DeFi. The podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Crypto Sapiens is presented in partnership with Bankless DAO, a movement for pioneers seeking freedom from the limitations of the traditional financial system. Bankless DAO will help the world go bankless by creating user-friendly on-ramps for people to discover decentralized financial technologies through education, media, and culture. Hello, and welcome back to Crypto Sapiens. Today's episode is a bit different than others you may have grown familiar with. It is one of a four-part miniseries that explores Web3 identity. W3ID is a series co-hosted by Crypto Sapiens and many of the top Web3 builders and seeks to demystify digital identity and present to you, our dear listeners, with many of the novel applications that are being developed today. I truly hope you enjoy this content and find it useful in your crypto journey. So without further ado, let's get started. Why don't we go around and briefly just do a round of introductions and I'll go last. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me today, Humpty. I'm a big fan of Crypto Sapiens and super appreciative to have the opportunity to, to speak with some of my uh, my favorite idols in our space um, who we get to work with on a regular basis. Um, so really excited to be here representing WAD at Disco, where we are building your identity for the metaverse. Um, at Disco, we believe you should be able to show up in any digital or physical environment and receive a personalized experience as a result of the parts of yourself that you choose to share. And we think that you you should be the expert on yourself, not some random dude who made an app that you use sometimes, which means that you need to own your data and your expression of self in the same ways. Um, and, you know, if for those of us who have seen the movie Fight Club, remember the line, you are more than the contents of your wallet. And we believe that is true in the metaverse. You are more than your financial expression. And so you need the data and the capabilities to capture um, all of the actions that you take that are non-financial so that you can use them and leverage them in your life later. So really excited to talk about how we will be implementing these capabilities in the ecosystem of DAOs. Yeah, thank you. That's a beautiful and comprehensive introduction. Um, Spencer. Hey, everybody. Um, so I'm Spencer, and I'm a contributor at DAO House. I've been in the, the DAO space now for basically a couple of, of years after following face first into it and kind of discovering how amazing and, and beautiful a place it is. And that's what really what drew me to, to Dow House because Dow House is well, one way to think about it is a home for uh, a home for purpose-driven community DAOs. And purpose-driven community DAOs as we think about them are DAOs that have a purpose, they have a, a shared shared values, principles, objectives, goals, something that's bringing them together. And they want to sort of run after those things as a community while also respecting and supporting the individual sovereignty of every single member of that community. And so at Dallas, we have been building and continue to build uh, both like technological tools, but also cultural tools to bring that vision and allow um, as many community communities as possible to, uh, to move through space in, in that particular way. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, Lauren? 
Yeah. Hey, everyone. I am Lauren. Um, so my time in New York and Atlanta. So if anyone's local, hit me up. Let's get a coffee. Um, I am the head of business development at Three Box Labs and we're the core team behind Ceramic Network, which is a decentralized data network uh, built on top of IPFS, if you guys are familiar at all with the Protocol Labs ecosystem. Um, so at its core, we're focused on being an alternative to kind of a Web2 database and being this kind of decentralized storage solution um, and specifically focus on dynamic data, so data that you can easily mutate and update, um, which is really relevant for a whole bunch of um, user uh, content and user profiles, so very relevant to this identity conversation. And on top of kind of our core decentralized data protocol, we've also built out a whole bunch of tooling around identity management to make it really easy for developers to manage user data in this kind of decentralized context. Um, so we're working with both Disco and Dow House, so really excited to have both of the, these guys here with us as well and to talk about what we're building together. Um, and previously spent some time at the, in the enterprise side of the space um, at R3 working on Corda, which is an enterprise DLT, um, also at Techstars and uh, Consensus and in the Deloitte Blockchain Lab. So been been around the space for a while and excited to be here today talking about Web3 identity with you all. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. And I think behind the Orange Protocol, uh, you know, uh, avatar there, do we have David back there? Yeah, I'm David. Um, I'm basically in charge of marketing and social for uh, Orange Protocol. Um, we're a reputation uh, kind of system for DAO tooling to help, um, you know, communities build reputation and kind of take advantage of all the, you know, great stuff that's going around, going on around identity and um, kind of build that into uh, different, you know, uh, voting mechanisms, airdrops, and what have you. So, um, yeah, I do all the Twitter, and um, I've been in Web3 for, you know, full-time probably almost a year now. Um, you know, I have a SaaS background as well, so maybe some of you come from that world um, also. But, um, yeah, just really excited to be here. Um, you know, saw Evan speak at ETH Denver, and, um, you know, just... A lot of great minds here, so hopefully, you know, we have a great discussion. And thanks for hosting once again, Humpty. Yeah, thank you so much. And yeah, for myself, I'm Humpty Humpty Calderon, um, logged in here as Crypto Sapiens. Uh, you know, Crypto Sapiens, firstly, like I mentioned earlier, uh, is a media platform that is featuring the Web three. So really, this is the emphasis of like let's let's look at the stories of the people that are creating and building the space and really give them a platform to be able to share all the amazing things that they're doing. So hopefully there's maybe someone out uh, listening to this content, whether it's on Twitter spaces or on Spotify, Apple podcasts, who may be somewhere in the early stages of their crypto journey and says, oh, that that sounds like me. That's the experience that I or the impact that I wish to make in the space of Web3 too. So hopefully we facilitate that uh, you know, a good onboarding experience and that platform for them to also be able to become crypto natives. Um, I am also the co-founder over at Orange Protocol. So we do see Orange Protocol up here on the stage. And I think David kind of captured a lot of what we're doing there. But really, uh, the way that I like to look at this more concisely is we're building a platform that allows for you to unleash the power of your self-sovereign identity and reputation to unlock rich Web3 experiences. And so I've talked to many of the people that are on here on the stage, whether it's on Discord or on stage at East Denver, to kind of explore kind of the ways that we can go beyond just ownership of our identities and start kind of unpacking some of that, uh, some of what comes with that ownership. 
And so last week we are in our first of these uh, this four part event. We had on stage uh, members of the Gitcoin team and Bright ID, and we started talking about um, you know proof of personhood. What does that mean? And civil resistance, and some of these different ways that we can build with our digital identities. Today, we're going to try to explore it more from the lens of you know DAOs and looking at how we can create rich and robust member identities. Maybe just uh, wanted to briefly, if we could touch on uh, one of the most recent announcements that was made by Ceramic about their integration of member identities you know, on DAO House. I don't know if Spencer or Lauren, either of you wanted to take this just to kind of maybe high level, talk about what that means and kind of what the vision is uh, at DAO House for integrating the uh, three box labs identities. Yeah, maybe Spencer, do you want to just talk about kind of guys thought that would be useful within like the DAO house context and what you were trying to enable? And then maybe I can chime in at the end to talk about kind of the ceramic element. Yeah, perfect. Um, so I, a lot of this ties back to what I said in my little intro in the beginning that what DAO house is really trying to enable and is enabling is communities to work together but also respecting and supporting the individual sovereignty of, of all the, all those individuals. One aspect of individual sovereignty is identity and is all the information associated with you as an individual, both within a, a given DAO, as a member of that DAO, but also everywhere else. And so it's just a really natural fit to use a basically an ident identity service, self-ID from Ceramic, that each individual member of a given DAO can own and then use portably uh, throughout any other place um, in the Web3 ecosystem. Yeah, I think that last part of what you touched on is what's super interesting. Like Ceramic is a super technical product and some it's kind of hard for some people to kind of grok like the value or what it means for an end user. And I think the DAO house is such a great integration because basically what they're doing with now any other application that's using these similar um, like underlining tooling from Ceramic um, now has this like shared data source that they can pull from. So if you go to DAO House now and create a profile there, and then you now go to in the future Disco or Metagame, which is also live or DNS, which is another kind of like profile app where you can showcase your NFTs um, or any of these other applications and you log on, basically sign in with your wallet, uh, your profile data that you populated originally at DAO House will now all be there available. So it's really like getting down to user experience. Like what does that enable is putting all of your user data in this like shared open data layer really leads to a much better user experience where as opposed to today, where every time you're going to new platform, your data doesn't travel with you. So you have to start from square one again. Um, and I think a profile is like a very simple abstraction of that, but you can think about how more powerful that is if you think of, you know, all of your pictures on Facebook or something um, and actually having that be portable instead of locked into one site. Um, I think that makes it like a very powerful use case for end users to wrap their brains around. Yeah, profiles, even just in the way we're thinking about it in DAO House, profiles are basically just an entry point into lots of other things in, in multiple directions, both from the ability, like a, like a hook or a, like a, a channel through which other information can be populated into the DAO House user interface to support much richer experiences and increase the amount of context that DAO members have when they're making collective decisions and voting on proposals and things like that. But then also as, uh, as a way for us to start within the DAO's infrastructure to expand um, the, the coverage of Web3 native data inside our application or inside our infrastructure so that we no longer have to host any information 
about anybody or about any entity. All of that can be hosted and stored and controlled by the people that it, it actually is referencing uh, on, on Ceramic. And that allows, well, one, us to have a much more decentralized infrastructure, but then also from a, a development perspective, it allows us to focus on the things that we feel like are are really what we need to be focusing on building. So there's a beautiful separation of, of concerns there that also somehow ties everything together. Yeah, that's great. So maybe we can unpack uh, just briefly the terminology that we're using here so that for anyone in the audience who may not be familiar with what we're talking about, uh, there's at least a point of reference that we can use. So we're talking about uh, data portability. We're talking about user-owned or self-sovereign uh, identities and data. Um, you know, I guess I would love to kind of hear from maybe the ceramic end, what are some of the thoughts in terms of, you know, self-sovereign data and data portability and maybe the way that uh, that is being explored with some of the recent integrations over at Dow House? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I can kind of like high level talk about like some of the terminology, I guess, um, and then kind of go more into that use case element. Um, so, yeah, I guess like one of the things that is like really obvious when we talk about identity, I think, is that it's like a very vague term for a lot of listeners. When you hear identity, it's like it can mean a whole host of different things. And I think a lot of apps and products use it in, in different ways. Um, but I think one of the things that's most unique about Web3 identity and why it's such a hot topic is because most identity, like the way that you think about logging in or authenticating to apps um, is usually through a wallet. And you have this like long string that's your wallet address. And that is like typically your like username, quote unquote, but it's not like even a human readable name. It's not really like a way to represent ourselves in this online digital world. Um, and so there's a lot of questions of how do we start to do that in a way that can still like preserve some sense of anonymity or pseudonymity because not everyone wants to, you know, be their kind of real life self in these virtual spaces. Um, and also how do we bridge across ecosystems? Like a lot of our identity in Web3 is fragmented across different chains and accounts that we have across different platforms. So how do we like bridge that together to really see my whole self as like something like my credit score or my social security number kind of does for me and kind of a Web2 abstraction? Um, so one thing that people are looking into is something called a decentralized identifier. We call them kind of DIDs. And this is a standard that's been kind of like emerging outside of just the Web3 context. So it's also kind of a more broadly like something that a standards body that a focuses on creating standards around like how we use and build on the internet today has created. Um, and it's basically a way to you can do a lot of things with the DID, but one thing that we do with Ceramic is link multiple different accounts to this higher level abstraction. So again, you can have this kind of multi-account identity, uh, which is really interesting. Um, and then I'll, I'll let Evan, because I know it's her jam, talk about verifiable credentials a little bit, which is also like another very relevant term in the space. But I guess before I go to that, just talking about kind of like the use case element, um, everything on Ceramic, like all the data that you store is basically linked to this decentralized identifier. And what that allows is for you as the user to control and own your information. And you have to basically permission applications to access or view that data. Um, and I think what's like really powerful is when we go down to like the maybe going to the composability element and to kind of explain that a little bit more um, is all data that's kind of stored anywhere in like an app today or any website on the back end, the way that information is stored is they have to basically define or categorize the data. Um, and they use these things called like schemas. It's like a very technical kind of abstraction. But the reason it's hard for um, data to kind of be shared across ecosystems 
is one, because a lot of business models in like today's industry don't account for that, or it's actually like a disadvantage for them to do so. But two, because they basically store uh, their information using these like different categories, so they can't talk to each other. And what we're doing on Ceramic is trying to basically get people to collaborate around these like shared structures, these shared schemas, so that all the information is accessible by many different parties. So going back to like the Dow House uh, use case, the reason that it can interact or you can see that data across metagame or any of the other applications is because they're all using this underlying shared infrastructure that kind of exists because of ceramic. So I'll just pause because I feel like that was pretty long wind. I can turn it to Evan to talk about some of the other kind of identity terminology. But Hamdi, let me know if later um, you want me to go into any other kind of deeper use cases. Yeah, thank you. And definitely, I think uh, Evan is a wonderful ambassador for DIDs and VCs. And uh, I think there was just a recent podcast also that was uh, published yesterday or the day before that with Chase Chapman that really dove into this subject. And I really learned so much from that. And I would I wonder if Evan, you wouldn't mind kind of um, talking a little bit about maybe, uh, you know, DIDs and VCs, but also bringing some of the some of the things that you shared there in terms of oh, what this means in terms of data ownership as well and consent as well. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Some of my favorite things to talk about. Thank you guys uh, so much for, for that thoughtful tee up. Um, so at Disco, of course, um, we think a lot about how we express ourselves um, in, uh, in a lot of disco music and disco culture from the United States in the 1970s, um, 60s and 70s, there's a lot of, uh, of sort of new freedom of expression, new kinds of music, new kinds of dress, new kinds of community and culture that was celebrated in the public in a way that it hadn't been before. And we think that that's a really important viewpoint and a, and a really important perspective to imbue into the work that we do today. And so we can make sure that the metaverse is, and, and the future that we are building together, is a place that welcomes the full range of human expression and all of the positive and colorful and wonderful um, forms in which it can exist, not just the expression of our financial assets and the way that we can spend our money. And so to that end, Lauren was talking about a really critical um, crypto primitive decentralized identifiers, these aliases for the addresses or public keys that we already have that um, we're able to talk to one another across chains, across Web 2 and Web 3. And at Disco, that's what we call our data backpack. Um, that's the, the sort of control that we have to be able to collect private, revocable, evolving data that describes us, um, that's private and known only to us so that we can choose who to share it with and under what conditions to share it. One of the really exciting things about Web3 is that we get these key pairs. We get these cryptographic key pairs that allow us to put data on the blockchain, meaning we can make it as public and immutable as possible, almost like sending a push notification to every phone in the galaxy and putting it on, putting that information on every billboard and every corner in the world. Um, but we also can use those keys to have data that is private and known only to us. That's a totally secret um, to us and us alone. And then with those two sort of polar opposites of how we can publicize or keep private data, uh, we can enjoy the full spectrum of how you can share that data in between from zero proofs to um, granting access to buckets of data to, um, you know, encrypted search and secure multi-party computation upon that encrypted data. Um, and so with all of these new different flavors and forms of sharing, uh, what this means is that we can have a really clear and really nuanced control of how we show up in any given environment. We can decide what parts of ourselves we want to share and with what level of granularity um, or opacity. 
And so the little pieces of data that describe our actions, um, the, the sort of units of, uh, of crypto primitive that cap what we're up to out in the world that's not financial, these are called verifiable credentials, as Lauren and Humpty alluded to earlier. Um, so a verifiable credential, I think of almost like the opposite side of an NFT or sort of a, a counterpoint to an NFT. So um, these atomic units of data are just signed blobs of JSON um, written by one party about another, a signed statement or attestation similar to your diploma. So once it's written about you, it will always be written about you. So for example, I might issue a credential to everyone here in this conversation today, attesting to the fact that you attended the Web3 identity discussion with Crypto Sapiens about creating rich member identities in DAOs. And you could take that proof signed perhaps by Humpty and, and those of us who are on the panel today, um, and you could show that to people that we've never met, organizations we've never been part of, and they could entrust that you did indeed attend this event um, because the proof that you have bearing your, uh, bearing your participation is signed, it is encrypted, it is tamper evident. Um, and so they know that if they can trust the signature on that credential that they can trust what's contained inside. Um, so what makes these verifiable credentials additionally special um, and different than NFTs is that they can be revoked or set to expire. So they're the perfect vessel for data that needs to change and evolve like we do because we're human beings, so we're not fixed. Our identity is an organic and changing thing, not to be um, immutably documented on the chain, but rather requiring a little bit more um, yeah, ability and, and evolution. Um, and additionally, you know, these, uh, these credentials because they are private by default, are shared with the consent of the user. And so the only way that a verifiable credential might be affiliated with and easily um, you know, sort of retrieved alongside someone's identity is if they uh, consent to having that data associated with them. So Humpty, you mentioned earlier um, consent and what that means in digital space. Obviously, in physical spaces, we're all pretty familiar with what can only an enthusiastic yes means yes when interacting with me and with my body. Um, and in digital space, I don't think we have achieved that level of respect for our bodies and for ourselves in, in digital spaces. Um, we too often consent to letting third parties consume, control, monetize, and own the work product that we create as a function of using apps and as a function of, of participating in Web3. And so what we mean at Disco by consent and digital wellness and, and digital self-ownership is that when you create data, you should be the arbiter of how that data is shared, where it lives, who gets access to it, who gets to touch it. Um, and so uh, so I think the, the really wonderful thing here when we think about DAOs in our communities is that when we choose to join a DAO, we are doing so with you know, enthusiastic, positive consent. And when a DAO embraces us as a member, they are doing so in a similar fashion. Um, right now in DAOs, we don't really have a way to separate someone from a community when they violate the community guidelines. Um, if they continue to hold tokens, they can continue to be a voting member of that community. Um, so in order to imbue greater consent into our ecosystem and greater affirmative consent and informed consent into the way that our DAOs operate, um, we need some more flexible types of data that don't just involve market buying tokens. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that we can kind of open the discussion from here to unpack some of that. But I just wanted just to note, I think one of the things that I really take away from you is that your language is very thoughtful and intentional. And so I truly appreciate that because I think that there's something to be said about 
you know, talking about the complexity of our digital selves, because it's a very uh, nuanced topic, I think. But there's another about communicating in that in ways that are accessible and intentional, really. So I, I just wanted to, you know, give a nod there because I think uh, it, that was easy to understand, but also hopefully allows us to kind of expand on some of these points. Um, so in terms of, of, of our expressions in, the, in, in Web3 and maybe within a DAO, what are some ways that we can maybe use as an example of how we would express ourselves that could be then quantified through some certified credential? I'm happy to hop in and suggest some. Um, so right now, of course, we create a lot of really useful data in the social media applications where we spend our time um, by choosing whose profiles to look at, who to send messages to, who to invite to events. All of these are, are pretty valuable. Um, but I also think it's an, it's a really fun opportunity for us to think about what is the data that we create when we're alone, um, when we're just going through you know our days, um, perhaps adding some additional pop and dazzle and sparkle to our experiences. So things like um, we could capture in verifiable credentials proofs of having listened to music, proofs of how much music you listen to, who, whose music you listen to, even you know. Um, in which order you've heard music. So you could have a proof that attests to the fact that you were the third person to hear this new single after it's released. So I'm really excited about being able to capture fan loyalty activities from listening to music, buying merchandise, watching Twitch streams, even participating in Twitter spaces like this. Yeah, I think the um, some other really great use cases that we've been working on in the DAO space are um, a lot of kinds of credentials you'd want to attest to around any work that you complete. So now people... Um, we think about like how do you engage communities in these decentralized organizations? That's a big question that's very top of mind for a lot of organizations. Um, and we want to be able to reward people and have like a way to attest to any kind of involvement that you've had. So whether it's like an, attending an event similar as Evan was mentioning, or whether it's like completing a bounty and having that be something that kind of lives on your profile, um, or even kind of just like a membership level membership at the organization or membership of a certain pod or working group that you participate in, or maybe to kind of denote the the level of your membership, right? Like whether you're, I'm involved in an index coop and whether you're kind of a, we have silver, gold, bronze owls, and that's something that people have a lot of pride in and being able to actually attest to that in a very public facing way is really interesting. Um, the other thing we're seeing are just skills, right? Like maybe you want to go and um, have someone basically attest it after you've done a project that you have skills and you know you're really strong in SQL um, and you want to actually have that be something that is kind of attested to you in a um, verifiable way. Um, we're also seeing that in kinds of like completion of other kinds of um, quests or um, other kinds of like curriculum and tutorials. So like with Rabbit Hole, for example, um, or Deep Skills um, or Layer Three. These are all projects that are exploring. Um, they're constantly out and onboarding users into the Web3 space. How do we create, again, like a Web3 native credential that basically shows that they've gone through and they've done that work? Um, so just a couple of other examples I think are really relevant to uh, these like decentralized economies and how people are starting to um, create this like off-chain reputation about themselves, which is super interesting. Yeah, I guess something I wanted to point out or maybe surface uh, that I was hearing between what you, Lauren, were talking about and Evan, there's this there's this beauty, right, in our in elite selves, in our digital identities. And when we own that and when we can kind of surface that, you know, as we uh, choose to share, um, 
you know, I think the metaverse becomes that much more attractive. Um, I was hearing you were really talking about these uh, verified credentials that could attest to the type of music we like, right? Like things that are maybe more personal and intimate to ourselves, uh, but that really are a big part of who we are, uh, you know, of our um, identity. Uh, and then also looking at what like what Lauren was talking about, like really more uh, nuanced uh, elements of our interactions in the Web3 space when we're talking about bounties and skill sets. And I think even Evan, you talked about like comparing this to like maybe your diplomas uh, from, you know, a high school or from a college. So we can start seeing how once we really can kind of uh, build our full identities in the Web3 space, we can really unpack a much richer. And, you know, I think to be fair, Web3 right now is a very niche space because maybe it's also very limited. It's very unlike maybe some of our more traditional social experiences in the physical space, right? Or maybe in the Web2 space. Uh, but as you know, as we start looking at ways to kind of bring in more of our, uh, you know, digital selves or our real selves into, our, into these digital uh, platforms, we can definitely uh, embody ourselves a little bit more completely. Um, all, of course, while we're uh, keeping that privacy element to, you know, li like what was described with verifiable credentials. So maybe we can uh, lead into one of the other questions that we had been talking about, uh, you know, previously. And, you know, we're, we're talking about all of these different interactions that we have in DAOs. So what do we think are some of these unique opportunities that we can then unlock by owning our identities and be, being able to verify uh, some of those interactions as well. I'm happy to, to hop in and help us imagine that future. So right now, of course, if um, the main identifier that we know about our fellow down members is their Ethereum addresses, that means that you know the majority of what we know about them is how, you know, how much capital or how, how many tokens they've got on hand and what they've bought recently perhaps what contracts they've interacted with. But I can't tell from those wallet addresses who's going to be great at planning parties. I can't tell who's going to design a nice logo or who's going to be best at auditing smart contracts. So instead, we are stuck with a plutocratic uh, decision-making structure in our DAO. Who has more tokens or maybe who's held those tokens for the longest um, but we're not going to be able to solve really interesting coordination games because we need more information about our counterparties if we want to be able to trustlessly coordinate with them. And what's super awesome about verifiable credentials is it makes those traits that are captured inside those credentials independently verifiable. So we can coordinate with counterparties that we may not know or trust, but we can trust the attesters who believe in them um, and who signal the kinds of skills that they. So I think it's going to be really fun for DAOs when we're able to more, uh, in a more standardized way, as Lauren was talking about earlier, capture proofs of non-financial work so we can figure out who is good at what. I actually have a question here. <clears throat> uh, I'm, I don't have a ton of experience with the ins and outs of verifiable uh, credentials. I am, I'm, pretty intrigued by the idea of, of or the possibility that verifiable credentials can be somehow used to unlock or, you know, sort of trigger certain conditions on chain in, in trustless smart contracts. Is that is that a possible 
Oh, hell yes, Spencer. I love that. It's a great tip. So verifiable credentials are super awesome because not only are they extraordinarily flexible as with your standard everyday, you know, JSON blob, you can put just about anything you want in there, video, imagery, keys, content. Um, but additionally, because they are um, these, you know, nice, <laughs> nice tamper evident little, little atomic packages, um, there are also a few different ways that we can use verifiable credentials to interact with smart contracts from programmatic issuance to programmatic verification to even credential-gated smart contracts. So you might imagine um, a permission to DeFi pool where only members of InkDAO that have matching tattoos are going to be able to um, participate in that DeFi pool. So we're going to approach um, the, that DeFi app. We're going to connect our wallet. The wallet's going to um, ping the Disco API, see whether I have the correct, the correct InkDAO credential. And once I pr present that credential, then I'll be permitted to deposit and interact with that smart contract. So we can absolutely use verifiable credentials to gate access to physical spaces, online content, um, digital content, as well as smart contract interactions on just about any blockchain. Okay, awesome. That That's really cool. And I think that opens up and uh, unlocks a lot of really awesome stuff uh, within, well, in many different places, including within within DAO House. Uh, and, and the reason is that DAO's membership is defined not by, not by an ERC-20 token, but by a non-transferable concept that we call a share. Um, and where we're, where we're going with, with the, the new version of the, the DAO smart contracts that we're working on now, uh, those will be able to be, we'll be able to grant shares sort of programmatically uh, based on other conditions. So I can imagine that we could have certain conditions that are, uh, that are verifiable credential gated. So you could only acquire shares in a particular DAO if you hold one or more or some combination of verifiable credentials. And so that is a really interesting, that is really interesting combination and ties directly into what you were with increasing the, the dimensionality or the richness of the data that we have to determine how much governance power we want people to have within the communities uh, that we work and live in. And so that creates actually a direct connection between that all of that rich off-chain data and allows us to represent it on chain via governance powers rep, governance power represented as shares within Dow House DAO. Absolutely. Yes, it does. Spencer, I love that direction. I think that is exactly, you know, as these credentials are intended for use in combination with on and off-chain interactions. And you touched on one point that I think is really special out um, is that you can have gated experiences, whether content, smart contracts, physical spaces that require a user to present multiple credentials. So, um, you know, it's kind of like you got to collect all the dragon balls first and then present them together in order for them to validate. Um, and so, for example, so this is called a verifiable presentation. Um, and so by presenting both of those credentials together, um, they will only validate validate when I've got the right credentials signed by the right parties. Um, and so every mix of flavors that you can imagine from on-chain and off-chain proofs, um, private and public proofs, um, single proofs and groups of proofs, you can use any set of flavors to decide who you want in your party. I'm excited for that, for that world that, that is coming very soon.
Yeah, great question, Spencer. And thank you for kind of really diving into that deeply, Evan. Um, wanted to thank Lauren. Uh, she had to step down, but wanted to thank her for coming up to the stage and, you know, talking about ceramic and the cool stuff they're doing. Um, I did start inviting some of the other folks that uh, we've been chatting with. And so we have uh, B. Pete's on stage as well. Anybody in the audience who also, uh, please do feel free to raise your hand. We've probably got another 15 minutes here before we wrap up. Uh, we want to make sure that we're taking questions or uh, maybe some of your own personal experiences with uh, DID and VCs that you'd like to share. I do see quite a few people in the audience that I've talked to uh, that are building in the space as well. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on you know some of the discussions that we're having as well. Um, BPs are just coming up to the stage. Would you like to uh, give a brief intro to yourself and you know what you're working on and maybe add a bit of context uh, to some of the discussions we've had from your own personal experiences? Yeah, sure. Thanks for welcoming me up. And uh, Spencer and Evan, it's it's nice to be alongside you uh, um, again and having a chat. Um, I'm, uh, I'm one of the co-founders at uh, Sobel. So that's at Team Sobel. And uh, basically, uh, we're working on uh, the experience uh, for DAO navigation, visualization, um, you know, that is agnostic of the protocols. We want to play nice with all the protocols um, that have the opinions that drive your DAO's operations, um, allowing different um, folks within the DAO to wire that up. And I think Sobel's really interested in starting to kind of do, uh, we're on the early, early um, stage of, of kind of doing what Zapper Finance has done for your DeFi portfolio, where you can get a view into it quickly, do some sense making, and then jump off into the richer protocols or maybe tickle a couple of them from the Zapper Finance interface. I think DAOs um, uh, are going to need something similar as the DAO tooling stock emerges and Sobel's uh, trying to understand uh, what that would look like and how to provide it and how to partner up with all the amazing uh, protocols uh, that are out there. And identity, of course, is a really important one um, for all the reasons that we've been discussing here. And I think to just jump into where we left off, um, I... I'm really excited about the question I just heard between Evan and Spencer. And the question I have for Evan is like, you know, uh, how do we, do we need to maintain patience as DAO tooling providers? Um, or should we also maybe be in parallel um, experimenting with, with NFTs uh, and proving out more use cases? Um, or are the DIDVCs so close that that's a bad idea? Like I'm, I'm. We, it's, sometimes it's okay to make some compromise to 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 discover, explore, and understand if everybody is like consenting. Um, but like you said, it can become a a dystopia pretty fast. But like, how, do we paralyze this? Do we need to be patient and careful? What are your thoughts and opinions on experimenting with NFTs in the early days? BP, it's, oh my gosh, always such a joy to have the opportunity to speak with you. So really excited to see you here today and absolutely love the Sobel team, have for, for so many years and really excited about what you guys are doing. Um, So in terms of the speed of DIDs and VCs, I am so excited to tell you guys that it is popping off. So with Disco, we are really stoked to be able to provide an API SDK and web app um, starting looks like the first week of June. Um, we'll have docs in our next sprint cycle. So really happy to share that with all of you. If you want to drop your drop your emails at disco.xyz, we can make sure that you um, get your hands on that stuff real quick. Um, it's an, an update from the recent internet identity workshop in Mountain View, um, where we went to, uh, to seek the counsel of the high wizards of the internet, the folks who developed many of these standards. Um, and what seems to be coalescing for everybody is that we've, we now have multiple 
multiple storage locations to put verifiable credentials, which is a problem before. We have a very exciting update to EIP 712 sign type data from 2021 that allows us to use our existing MetaMask keys to sign off-chain credentials instead of requiring us to have a separate key management. And so what that means, what that, that technical change means is that everybody who's got a MetaMask is now ready to sign verifiable credentials, no download of anything needed, no additional keys. And so between that technical update the update on our sort of uh, additional coalescing around schemas, leadership from organizations like the Chain Agnostic Standards Alliance and Dow Star One mean that in the next probably couple weeks, um, we will be able to empower members of several Dow communities with membership credentials in accordance with the Dow Star One schema, um, and those folks will be ready to surface those surface those credentials elsewhere throughout Web three. Um, so, if any of you all are uh, are interested in helping users surface their verifiable credentials in your interfaces, let us know. If you're interested in issuing credentials to your communities, let us know. Um, but just just in terms of time frame, I would say um, one month before we have users with data backpacks ready to bring their credentials elsewhere and the tooling set up um, enough that it'll be really trivially easy for people to issue credentials to one another by hand. Um, and we'll have programmatic issuance up and running shortly thereafter. I don't have to be that patient. That's a great answer. <laughs> We're moving and the DJ takes requests too. So if there are specific credentials you all would like to see in your community or there are specific, you know, base chain ecosystems where you're particularly excited about building, we are really hyped to be supporting folks from Cella, uh, Solana, Bitcoin, um, all, all the networks. Um, so we are uh, very much um, informing our roadmap based on demand from the DAO ecosystem because that's very much where we're seeing a ceiling of useful, uh, of useful capas topping out because we're all sharing the same data straight from the chain. You know, I, I really feel like uh, Twitter is dropping the ball, uh, not having a disco emoji, because I just want to react with a disco emoji uh, to everything that was said. That's incredible. I know, you know, for us over at Orange, we're... Nice, nice pun. That was good. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm funny sometimes, not always. Uh, I have my moments. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, in, you know, for us over at Orange, we, we see the same thing uh, in terms of this composability uh, and unlock for our digital selves to create this more uh, complete uh, user experience uh, in Web3. And so I'm personally very excited to just continue the discussion here with Evan and with many of you, um, find the integration point for uh, Orange and using Disco, Dow House, you know, all the Web3. Uh, yeah, so 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 excited with, with a lot of the discussion that we've had so far. As we come to the top of the hour, there was a question that was shared in our Discord that I wanted to surface, and this was shared by uh, Lauren uh, LDF, who's in the audience, that uh, I don't think that you were able to connect. I was really hoping that you were, uh, but I'm going to share the question up here anyways, and uh, I'd love to hear everyone's thought on this, and that is, what moments of delight will be enabled by portable identity in the metaverse for individuals? Uh, Evan, why don't you kick us off? All right. Well, LDF, thank you so, so much for those questions. Sorry, you're having a little little technical difficulties today. Um, but I think that the moments of delight that we will be able to enjoy soon include fewer CAPTCHAs and fewer forms. So the vision for Disco um, is 
you know, just like the the TV shows about the future we grew up on, right? We never saw the Jetsons filling out forms and waiting in lines. And we're really excited to be working with friends like Ceramic, like Gitcoin, like Spruce, um, to imagine what does a proof of human credential or index of credentials look like. So if the totality of the activities you've been up to recently mean that you can't be a bot, whether that's you were on the cover of Vogue magazine, you won a hackathon with um, with Gitcoin, you presented at the Avalanche conference, whatever those activities might be that can't be executed by a bot, they are proofs that you are indeed a person. So as you perform activities throughout your life that mean that, you know, that can't be done by a bot, you should not have to prove that you are not a bot later on. So we're really excited about enabling everybody here to fill out fewer forms when they onboard into new apps. Um, and that means not having to fill out a profile, not having to fill out a CAPTCHA, not having to find all the crosswalks and that stupid picture that, that Google pops up. That's wonderful. Um, David, did you want to add here what your thumbs of um, what moments of delight will be enabled by, you know, portable identity in the metaverse? Um, wow, that's... That's an interesting question and a little bit, a little bit thought provoking. Um, you know, I think in the sphere of gaming, that could be really interesting. Um, you know, um, have, having your identity and reputation go from, you know, like game to game or, you know, metaverse to metaverse and kind of like to piggyback on what, um, Evan said, you know, not having to, to start over again. Um, I think is is super intriguing, and especially in the gaming space, it's so um, nascent right now that I think that could be really interesting. Uh, Spencer, what are your thoughts? I mean, especially after what you've uh, heard here today, and you know, uh, you know, definitely what uh, Evan here was able to share in terms of what the unlock could be over at Dow House. What are your thoughts? Like, what do you think are going to be those moments of delight within the Dow House ecosystem? I was going to say I'm going to I was going to answer this question in a slightly slightly backwards way, which is like the thing that delights me is that I don't really have any idea what's going to happen. Um, but I can imagine you can sort of see like the, the fuzzy contours of it. And it looks really, really, really cool. Uh, like even today, just like having like being able to navigate through the Web3 ecosystem and like move from app to app and protocol to protocol and have those things like morph themselves to fit me is a delightful experience that I have every day working just like constantly inside of these these applications um, in just like whatever I'm doing throughout the day. I'm and so I'm like really excited to see all the stuff that that can like build on top of that basic concept and basically expanding the amount of information that can be essentially customized for me based on my identity that I control and own, whether that's on chain or or off. Um, I, I'm sure there's going to be stuff within uh, that that we are able to surface and kind of add as as really fun things within Dow House. I guess one of them might be so in in the new version of the Moloch Dow framework, which is that the the new Dow framework that we've been working on. Uh, in, in in version three, there's this concept that we call shamans. And shamans are basically a way to skip the proposal process for granting somebody membership or additional governance power, voting power in the DAO. And instead of having to go through a proposal process to do that, it can be done programmatically or basically like instantaneously, provided that, that the person meets some conditions. So that is the, the, the 
connection point that I'm really excited to explore more with, especially uh, well, both with on-chain things, but also with verifi verifiable credentials from off-chain. Like, can we build a really interesting shaman that allows somebody to join a DAO based on a verifiable credential or multiple credentials that they have? Um, that'll be a pretty experience to like show up and be like, oh, this person or this DAO wants to have me because of these verifiable credentials and I can join right now. Yeah, wonderful. I mean, and I'm looking forward to that future too. I mean, I know the DAO house ecosystem is quite uh, deep. Uh, and so seeing that unlock, I think is going to be huge for um, those existing DAOs and DAO members as well. And anybody else who uh, chooses to uh, build with uh, as a Moloch DAO. And I, I think I said this privately, but uh, publicly, I'll also recognize a wonderful article that you wrote on Moloch DAOs that was published yesterday, I believe. So uh, it's really incredible to kind of see the growth of that ecosystem as well. Uh, thank you. That was very much a, a labor of, of uh, really have a lot of affection for for the Moloch DAO framework and, and what it represents and what it enables. And that article was my attempt to to share some of that with everybody. So thanks for, I'm, I'm glad that was that, that it spoke to you and thanks for, for mentioning that. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, B. Pete's, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, like, I think, you know, they, I feel as though, you know, we've been talking a little bit about how like it breaks down the silos of my identity and gives me more self-sovereign control. But like the truth is it also often opens me up from not intentionally fracturing my identity. I feel like with, I have more control over my disclosure. Um, I'm, I'm delighted by being able to like have the convenience of consolidating everything, um, you know, for myself and how I manage it and then selectively disclosing um, to various entities, you know, who I am or, or stuff about me. And I think I'm going to be less predisposed to like, you know, fracture my identity, um, you know, intentionally um, as well, not just, you know, third party apps being able to, you know, be able to take it and be portable. Um, and I think the, the, the thing that that finally like unlocks for me is like a potential that maybe is a little too far into the future, but like I've always wanted my own personal AI, um, you know, uh, where, you know, I, I love the power. I have this like really sick relationship with a lot of the, um, you know, the algorithms as they are today in the web two paradigm where like I'm working so hard to like, you know, game the algorithm, which is a black box that I kind of like understand only through my interactions. Um, and I'm disclosing pieces of myself to it, you know, and almost playing this game of like what I disclose in hopes of tuning it to give me what I want. And just the idea of having an algorithm that, uh, um, I can, you know, so more selectively, uh, feed and, uh, you know, have like a personal AI, um, that's really working for me and not trying to sell me stuff, uh, would be just like mind blowing. And I think that this is like a very important first step to that.